Welcome, one and all, to your Ms. Marvel podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me to my right is the man who needs no introduction. It's Pete. Hello, Pete. Superheroes don't need chaperones. The Ms. Marvel podcast by Fantastic Geek for the season series finale, episode six, No Normal. Is brought to you by Rashid's famous yummy, yummy chocolate chip cookies. The secret ingredient is nutmeg. Pete, uh, making our way through the MCU and beyond here before we dive on into Ms. Marvel. Uh, some updated info on the Thor box office situation. Just in the last day or two, uh, it crossed the $400 million mark worldwide. Uh, that's with your 187 in the U.S. and your 214 international. So, uh, still a ways to go to reach the total box office of Thor Ragnarok, but uh, you get there dollar by dollar, and they're doing that uh, here in the second weekend in theaters. I mean, here we are, Matt, in the middle of July, and Marvel has, for the year, the top uh, of, of the top uh, eight movies. Three of them are Marvel movies. Yes, Top Gun has. I would say overperformed as the number one movie of the year. It's going to be interesting. Black Panther, Wakanda forever. Uh, A, in November, scheduled. <laughs> B, we've seen nothing from it apart from some art. C, can it knock Maverick off the top spot? Certainly if the first film is any indication, one would think yes, but... Uh... Time will tell on that. Uh, Pete, speaking of time, tomorrow we will be taking the time to look back at Star Trek Strange New World Season 1. Cannot believe these 10 weeks have gone by as fast as they have, uh, but we'll be reflecting on the strengths uh, of the season as a whole tomorrow. Been a blast to podcast that, and with the promise of more, Matt, despite uh, indications that uh, the show was canceled before it even began. Um, you know, that more uh, Star Trek Lower Decks to come. Uh, great time to be a Star Trek fan. Yeah, the big news, uh, Star Trek Lower Decks coming back uh, last Thursday in August. So definitely happy about that. Also coming in August will be uh, when She-Hulk Attorney at Law hits Disney+. Plus. And uh, in the next week or so on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we'll be uh, doing our first preview of that series and launching that, uh, that independent feed for it. And super, super excited to be diving into the world of She-Hulk. To think just a little over a month from today, we'll be hitting that already. It's crazy. Uh, meanwhile, as we start to bring things back to Ms. Marvel here, Pete, the... The directors of uh, this sixth episode were uh, surprised to suddenly find one day as part of the edit. Out of the blue, the mid-credits scene showed up. Uh, they did not shoot it. That was done by Nia DaCosta, the director of The Marvels, uh, which, Pete, you'll, you'll never guess. That's going to be the next time Ms. Marvel shows up. Such is life in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, the the secret compartments, so on and so forth. Uh, we'll talk what it all means in our theory section. Uh, and looking ahead to next Saturday, we'll be doing our Ms. Marvel wrap. Hopeful that between San Diego Comic-Con and D23, they will announce more Ms. Marvel on TV. But uh, you know, time will tell, certainly, on that one. Let's embiggen our look at this episode. Pete, this episode starting with a content warning. Now, again, good to give people a heads up if there's some sensitive topics and so forth. But as we discussed on the Obi-Wan podcast, this content warning so vague as to simply honestly be a thing that Disney corporate could point to if people complain or if there's, you know, political complaints or that sort of thing. Um, because if you are a viewer who has some genuine concerns about particular content and how that might uh, impact you and your experiences, this content warning does nothing to say, 
hey, you, you know, hey, beware. It's just there could be some disturbing things that happen at scary times. And again, it's kind of a valueless heads up that's just there to uh, to, to to cover the behind. And uh, contextually, a little later on in the school setting, I'll talk about what I have a real problem with as a trope. But sirens wail over Jersey City as Devers goes underneath the police line around the blown-out Circle Q. She tells Agent Barry that this is what happens when the wrong people, kids, get powers. She says they need to lock down the city and take them off the streets before anyone else is hurt. She authorizes non-lethal enhanced rounds because they need Comron taken alive so they can figure out what he is. We cut to Bruno and the aforementioned Comron on the PATH train. Okay, the plan is to switch at Penn Station. Uh, Pete, as we discussed in prior podcasts, PATH links uh, New Jersey and New York City and so forth. They're going to switch at Penn Station in New York City and head upstate. Uh you know, it's one example of how this episode treats uh, Jersey City and New York City as like kind of parts of the same thing, I guess. But more on that later. Uh, on the path train are some presumed DODC agents. They're after them. There's some running. There's a power blast from Comron. Uh, tension added to things as we get the Marvel Studios logo. The Statue of Liberty, with its green patina coating, watches over New York Harbor as Kamala and Muniba arrive home from their trip to Pakistan with gifts for the family. But Kamala has an announcement to make. First, she apologizes for pulling the fire alarm at her brother's wedding and sneaking out to AvengerCon. Muniba motions to Kamala to speed it up before she declares she is the light girl. What? Nightlight? Oh my God. Amir had no idea. Yusuf feigned surprise as well. Maniba only told Yusuf, but Amir explains the classic con gossip train. The phone was on speaker. It's so convenient, but it's a problem. Taisha is curious, asking if Kamala's powers are limitless or if she has to recharge. And all Amir has been dying to ask is if she dropped the kid on Eid on purpose or if it was like a game time decision. Part of the brilliance of this scene, uh, by the way, Pete, you referenced the establishing shots, Statue of Liberty, New York City, neither of which is the state. Uh, where this rest of the story takes place, but that's okay. Not all Hollywood-based editors know New York City versus Jersey City, I guess. Although I will grant you, Pete, as you pointed out, the the green copper back, so that update since uh, Hawkeye, it was uh, implied in Hawkeye and shown in Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Pete, but I digress. The conversation in this scene here, it's a nice way to reinforce the family bonds as well as if there's going to be the, you know, I have powers and here's who I am type scene. It's episode six. We can fast forward through it a little bit by way of narrative efficiency, by way of everybody knows already. So it really is a case of, you know, it's an opportunity to speed through things without it feeling like, well, we're just checking a box and moving on. Yusuf stops the teasing to tell Kamala it's incredible and he's so proud of her. They're all in awe of her, but he wants to be sure she's being careful and not volunteering for trouble. But Kamala says he didn't raise her to sit by and do nothing when people need help. And Muniba says they trust her, right? But wait, why is Nakia uh, FaceTiming Amir? Kamala grabs the phone, glad her friend has called her after they just got back from the airport. But Nakia interrupts to ask if she's heard from Bruno. Nakia breaks the news. Circle Q exploded as we go to the title card. Indeed. Uh, and then we get Kamala trying to talk to Bruno, trying to find him. Mom says that uh, Kamala's not going to go anywhere. 
not dress like that. We get the epic mom costume uh, reveal. Uh, I love the detail that it's in the milk toffee uh, treat mm-hmm. box there. Pete, a reminder that sometimes parents, they do just understand. And it really, really, it's such a heartfelt reveal here. And it's another example of how they've taken the great framework of the comics and with re with redoing some of it for the MCU to make things more family centered, to have this be the family costume and all of that family costume by which, you know, this same mom has made it and so forth. Um, I, I would dare say it's a better version than the comic version of like, Oh, she made a thing. The emotional beats that this episode hits in the scene before this with, you know, dad, this one, a little later on with dad again on the roof outside her room. And it's almost Matt, like the, the people uh, who wrote this episode listened a couple episodes back with uh, a listener giving us the comic origin of the name. And we're like, Oh, we need to include that when they made this about a year ago. <laughs> um, yeah, certainly as I said, in the adaptation process, uh, it's only served to strengthen things here. Back to the story, on the streets, folks look up. They see Ms. Marvel, light circle hopping down the street. Well, you know, above the street. There's a little bit of, like, ragdoll appearance to some of these visual effects here. But, Pete, it's got to be great to do visual effects on a Marvel show, right? So great, Matt, that uh, it made news this week that there are effects companies that are like, we don't like working for Marvel because they're too demanding and it's too much work and it's too quick a turnaround. As well as decisions get changed partway through and so forth. It's kind of, it's weird to read those complaints. It's the opposite I would gather it's the opposite of like the the Mandalorian LED wall process, which is you need a big chunk of your effects done months or at least started months before you even start to film. So you need to sit and go, are we going to have the Mandalorian walk through a rock canyon with a hazy blue sky overhead and guys jumping over him? Are we committing to that? Because if we're leaving this meeting committed to it, then work starts on it and we need to be able to deliver when we film versus apparently marvel changes its mind a lot and so forth so um yeah Uh, pete i will say in all seriousness the digital double did look a little ragdolly here and in other scenes that doesn't mean everything needs to be perfect but maybe it's evidence of not leaving stuff to the last minute there is a qr code in the uh jiro guys uh cart it leads you to marvel.com however my phone wasn't quite picking it up hmm that's uh it's good to know they have them there that was super fun in moon Knight, and they should do more of that but if pete your modern phone and your nice tv and so forth is not making that an easy process then maybe they maybe they need to refine ever so slightly Uh, The story takes us to the mosque where Bruno is sneaking in, but Nakia says it's actually the worst place to go. This is, of course, she says, a mosque in America. So in addition to DODC, basically everybody has their eye on it. Uh, But where they should sneak to, she suggests, is the school. Why? Because who goes to school on a Saturday, which is some pretty good logic. Yeah, and maybe that needs to be reevaluated that, you know, a school could be a place for activities throughout the week. Um, Pete really hates the trash school trope we see a little later in this episode. I I get it. It's a, a big setting set that they've utilized that they could do it. It'd be very much inappropriate to do it in the mosque. You're not going to suddenly explore a new space. Although I suppose you could, you could have done a mall or something else, but you know, it kind of doesn't help the idea of, you know, out of control, young people destroy school. Yes. The DODC 
went in. They overdid things. It's a PR loss, but did we have to, you know, trash a school? And then because things in school, vague warning at the beginning of the episode about fictional things. Pete, we cut to the DODC arriving at the mosque. Uh, Deaver ready to bark orders, IDs everyone, but they're ready. Uh, the Sheikh notes that it's not the congregation's first rodeo here. Uh, they're told that they're looking for a Pakistani or Arab boy, 16 to 25. Uh, the DODC is offered one of those delicious cookies while, while they wait, while the search goes underway. And Deaver then notes to the Sheikh uh, that uh, he needs to be helping them, otherwise be on the wrong side. Uh he quotes Lincoln, which she misses entirely. Pete, if you can imagine people misusing Lincoln to just advance their own side or things like that. Pete, I'm starting to think the Deaver might be the baddie for the episode. Nakia stops Deaver in front of a holy room. No, no, it's just storage, disinfectant wipes and TP, but then asks them not to hurt him. They break open the door and it's a boy and Nakia's mom would kill her if they knew she had one and this one and uh, they're both witnesses says the boy Comron and Bruno emerge from a hidey hole behind the shoe cubbies the sheik tells them to take Clifton Street and avoid Grant he tells Comron just because someone treats him as his enemy doesn't give him the right to treat them as his. And he gives them ball caps as disguises. They're out there in the alleys and such. They're, they're ducking this way, hiding that way. But look, up in the sky, it's a ragdoll digidouble that morphs into Ms. Marvel. Uh, I really there. noticed it here before she hit the um, sliding down the pipe. Yeah, like, I, I I will grant you, show and VFX, that the transition into real uh, Ms. Marvel is seamless. And I can't see where that is. But there is, there's a, just a bunch of ragdolling going on here. Um, which, again, probably is a time issue because there's not enough time to get the physics right in your digital double. Um, so it's okay, Pete. This was only the fourth of six episodes shot. And they went to Thailand to shoot episodes four and five, like July of last year. So, oh, uh, I know this, Pete. Her outfit looks great. Uh, she and Bruno hug. It's at this point that Comron has a painful power explosion. He feels like he's being crushed from the inside out. Uh, but they can't dilly-dally since sirens are coming. We cut to agents closing the streets here in the middle of the day. Suddenly it's night. With our trio still on the run, because word's going to transition hard to it being nighttime, uh, they make their way to the school. Kamala sends them in and phones Kareem for help. Yes, uh, asking for help for Kamran. He knows someone who can get him out the harbor by midnight. Inside Cole's academic high school, Kamala catches up with Nakia, who's upset she did not tell her about her powers. Kamala apologizes. Bruno sees police outside. Comron tells them to leave. But they blew up Bruno's apartment. They raided Nakia's mosque twice and tried to trick Zoe into giving them up. Yes, she's there for the good theater lighting to film her TikToks. And she owes Kamala for saving her. Kamala draws the plan on a chalkboard. It's to distract and stall as long as possible. Outside, a cop asks Deaver and Barry if they have authorization for any of this. Pete, that's because the show wants to make it very clear that the police are the police are good guys. Um, back inside the school, Amir is there too. You know, he, he used to go to this school. He knows how to sneak in and so forth. 
Uh, more of the plan is explained. They're all going to wear school hoodies. Pete, somebody's seen Thomas Crown, I think. Uh, Kamala and Bruno are going to be on mad scientist duty. Pete, this your classic. We're going to explain the plan to the characters and to the audience, but not explain everything. So that way, when we, the audience, see it, things will be brand new and amazing. Everybody's going to have fire extinguishers. Uh, Zoe's going to take a little longer getting hers. I do like how we're building up pace, building up pace. And Zoe it does the just the world's littlest elbow smash in the glass. I suspect that was like a first take. Like, all right, it's breakaway glass, but this young lady does not want to cut herself. So picking away the pieces and so forth. Back to the plan. They grab as many softballs as they can. Uh, is the plan to stop damage control with softballs? No, they're going to slow them down with Zoe being part of the real plan. That's right, Pete. Zoe. Deaver tells Cleary over the phone they're closing in on the enhanced individuals. But he points out it's in front of a high school. He doesn't like the bad press, but she just wants three minutes. He tells her to evacuate now. She acknowledges and then calls in additional units. Back inside the school, Nakia says it's not like Zoe to, to keep things quiet, to not have shared the fact that Kamala has powers. Uh, Zoe here is reflective. Pete, she's got her own little story arc here. Uh, her life was saved and she figures that Kamala should be able to tell the world when Kamala is ready. Elsewhere, Kamala gives Bruno an update about Najma, the other realm, and so forth. Let's not forget, this is all a secret from Kamran. Uh, Kamran and Amir have a moment, too. Do you even British Bake Off, bro? <laughs> uh, but back to Bruno, he stresses to Kamala that it's really, really important that they not share the whole Najma's dead thing until they're all completely in the clear. So are you clear, Pete, that that's an, uh, an important story piece from last week that could impact this story? Completely. Um, heavily armed tactical teams place explosives on the doors and blow them, finding a device they call in as a bomb, but it plays music and a disco ball drops. They blow it all away and Comron greets them in his hoodie and ball cap from the floor above. Bruno tells Zoe the uplink is live, but he doesn't know for how long. She tells her followers they're at school. And damage control has her and her friends totally surrounded. Uh, she asks them to tag the message, share stories, and come to the school and spread the word. You curse me, Pete. Was this episode written by a bunch of olds who don't know that Zoe doesn't need to have the uplink working? She's just a teenager with a cell phone in a city and doubtless has 4G going. Pete, but I digress. We go back to DODC, now looking for a stranger in a hoodie with a red cap. Uh, multiple uh, people, multiple strangers looking just like that. Uh, let forth uh, fire extinguishers. A chase ensues. DODC is officially reporting now multiple suspects, all identical. Are they able to multiply now? Uh, which is a good question in the MCU. Um, and in the mcu adjacent agents of shield where there was a multiplying person but i digress in the science lab dodc trips one of those you know uh instagram worthy foam bomb things uh and it's pretty epic uh, elsewhere in the building uh, other agents are still in pursuit kamala and kamran hide in the guidance office pete that's a set that was already previously built or a space that was already previously used if this is a real location so they're back there even as Comron feels pain uh, they are very close to each other uh, and DODC agents are approaching them and they get pulled away to the gym this leaves Kamala and Comron holding light glowing hands sharing a look in the next shot their hands aren't glowing but hey VFX right uh, they're about to kiss, but Bruno interrupts. Hey, get moving. Uh, and Comron gives Bruno an attaboy bro nod because Pete, they might have similar likes, but here they are bros. Comron thanks him here and Bruno plays music and is taken down hard. In the gym, agents shoot at a bike rider, leading them to the softball barrage by Zoe, Amir, and Nakia, who also get taken down. 
Kamala tells Kamran her friend has a contact uh, that he can meet at the docks. He asks if they're the Red Daggers. He says they're as much a threat to him as the cops. He says he needs the clandestines and his mother. They reach a bathroom window, and he asks what happened to his mother when an agent kicks his way in, and Kamran uses his power, but Kamala blocks him. He runs into the hall and tells Kamala to tell him what happened in Pakistan, uh, and she says that Najma pierced the veil and tried to destroy everything. Kamran realizes she's dead, and Kamala apologizes. They dodge fire, and Kamran rips the lockers off the wall when Kamala grabs him with her embiggened fist. He fires back and runs off. Pete, I was shocked, shocked that in the climax of a Marvel Cinematic Universe story, we have a powered baddie with the same powers but opposite intentions. It's so ironmonger and abomination. And basically all the other comic book heroes and villains ever who are the villains have opposite powers of the heroes. Um, I, I will say, though, we obviously have some more distinction here for Comron, and that's, that's appreciated. Um, outside... The citizens are recording uh, first the the security line there being held by Jersey City Police. Pete, they're even recording within eight feet of the police because this is not Arizona. DODC is ready to bring in more agents uh, just as Kamran bursts out. Guns are on him. Uh, Deaver tells him to get on his knees, but he's ready to fight. Uh, he powers up and the shot moves to slow motion. They, they fire at him firing real bullets here. Ms. Marvel saves the day with a wall of light, and the crowd gasps. Uh, a sonic blast takes down her wall and knocks both to the ground. There's another slow-motion uh, moment, the music swirling to suggest that our heroes are losing ground, uh, but Kamala sees Kamran doubled over in pain. The cannon charges again, and Kamala says the thing, running toward it and smashing it with her embiggened fists. Are the agents okay? Yes, Miss Light Knight. No, not that name. She blocks more fire. Comron fires and fights in front of our prisoners in the back of the police van. He sends a vehicle toward Deaver and it to the air toward the crowd that Kamala grabs at the last second in midair, which they film and cheer. Deaver points her gun at Comron, who unleashes his power that pops open the back of the police van. Uh, Kamala closes in on him and seals him in inside her energy. He tells her they'll never accept them, and his mother was right. But she tells him she sent, his mother sent everything she had to protect him. Kamran asks what he's supposed to do to be normal, and Kamala tells him there's no normal, just them and what they do with what they've been given. She tells him to get to the harbor, and she'll buy him time, punching a hole in the street. He thanks her and goes as she exhales and emerges from the energy. Deaver, Deaver's orders her apprehended, but the people and police come to her defense giving her time to get away over them. Cleary calls Deaver and tells her to get out of there, relieving her of duty and sending a unit to fix her mess before hanging up. She pulls the team out and the people rejoice. Again, Pete, the episode very clear between uh, when the truck gets caught by Ms. Marvel. There's friendly mustache Jersey City police officer who is applauding here. The police uh, helping protect Ms. Marvel. Uh, Disney wants you to know that the cops are the good guys here and DODC, the bad guys. With that, Pete, we cut to a social media montage. Everyone loves Ms. Marvel. She's all kapow and wow. Also, don't forget Najaf's Gyro's best in Jersey City. Uh, also on social media, Miguel notes that Nakia is his girlfriend. Huzzah. All of this is being watched by Kamala from her room. Pete, she is proud of her outfit, proud of her look, proud of herself. 
With that, she goes out onto the porch roof, uh, and moments later, her father finds her there. He steps out to sit with her. Uh, so she's the new superhero called, called what? She says that she is still figuring it out. We're all still figuring it out. Uh, intercut is Bruno sharing a note in her locker. He's wearing his Caltech shirt. Pete, it's almost as though they didn't know there was going to be one more Bruno scene at the end of the episode. Maybe it's a reshoot. Um, but we also see Amir being so excited. Nakia leading at the mosque. Uh, and we see that Kamran has made his way to the safety of the Red Daggers. But Pete, take us back to that rooftop ledge there. Yusuf tells Kamala they tried to have a second child for years and lost hope. And then she came so perfect, which is what Kamal means in Arabic. But in Urdu, it's more like wonder or marvel. Kamal means marvel. She shares the name with Carol frickin' Danvers, Kamala asks. Yusuf doesn't know who that is. But she is and always has been their own little Ms. Marvel. They embrace and she hops off, landing on a street light, looking at the city before hopping off again until that scene one week later. Indeed, she meets up with Bruno and Nakia. Uh, again, I'm assuming that since Bruno kind of said goodbye through the note in the locker, that this is a pickup scene. Um, that's okay. Pickups are there to improve your story. Pete, there's going to be some valuable information in this scene, too. Uh, and it's more valuable than the idea that Bruno is going to be taking Kamran's car to Caltech. Uh, he tells kamala something even as nakia kind of moves out of the camera's view there he went back and looked at her genetic makeup after all amir had asked if he would have powers too but bruno had it wrong the first time uh we know of course why she's had access to the nor but she's different from the rest of the family there's something different in her genes pete how is that difference described like a mutation <laughs> um pete it's finally been said in the mcu uh but as soon as we hear that x-men 90s theme uh kamala's quick to quick to brush it aside she says whatever it's just another label uh which boy is that an understatement since we are going down the road of mutants in some future time frame uh nakia has got the keys to the car now and they're off for some shawarma you know like that other marvel story uh and they drive off as we head to the credits the end a mid-credit scene here matt where kamala lands on her bed in her suit but muniba says off screen that it doesn't sound like science homework as her bangle activates and sends her into her closet where carol danvers emerges and then we get a superimposed ms marvel will return in the marvels we are searching the internet for theories so pete let's start with the the, the forbidden thing uh we'll start with ms marvel being the first mutant that we know of the first announced mutant in the mcu this after a long path where apparently they wanted her to be a mutant in the comics mm -hmm. but this was during a time in the comics where uh ike perlmutter didn't like it when marvel comics hyped rival studios so there was less x-men and fantastic four and he oversaw pushing inhumans in the comics and making humans movie which <laughs> led to the tv show and amidst that mid-2000s uh kamala khan was gonna be an inhuman but here we are where she's not she's officially not and it's not just side powered like uh, spider-man it's you know it's mutation what a character to make the first mutant and for her to reference that, oh, it's just going to be another label. So, so to have a female character of color um, be the first one, you know, whereas X-Men for years have been a metaphor for marginalized people, uh, 
absolutely works within the comic canon and what they're doing now going forward. You know, it's been a guessing game for years. Would Deadpool be the first one? Are they going to introduce Wolverine somehow? Would they identify uh, Wanda as having the X gene? And here it's Kamala Khan. I think it works out really, really well. And I'll also say in whom who? Yeah, definitely not a good not a good day for people rooting for Inhumans, which I don't think the list is very big. Um, I, again, particularly having really understood in the last week how Inhumans got pushed in the comics, then in the MCU, whether it's movie, TV show, whatever, for some of these like larger corporate reasons, um, and maybe even reasons that did not fit the Inhumans. You know, those like powered gods who live on the moon who are not a great metaphor for marginalized people hiding themselves in society and things of that sort i would add to this theory discussion pete the following idea if this if this is an origin or an or a starting point for mutants in the mcu of course we could say secretly charles xavier is now 80 and has been living for these 80 years as a mutant you could do that but in terms of rolling out the story we did not have the x-men coming to save the day grand reveal um to me it suggests we're going to continue to have a slow rollout of this thing that people really really want to see maybe pete there's even a creative slash corporate argument to be made like let X-Men be a phase five thing. And if there's stuff in phase four not working, or if you finally have to, you know, as you spent some time, no more Tony Stark, no more Steve Rogers, Captain America, things of that sort, maybe X-Men don't need to come in in the next 18 months. Maybe that's just a slow burn as we slowly build that up for, for five years from now or something. Deadpool three is being written as we speak. Um, I mean, are these two mutants, going to uh you know cross paths that'd be interesting for certain um that it's there that she's the first i i think is really fitting for the mcu there's the aspect too matt you know we mentioned in humans we had black bolt in doctor strange and the multiverse of madness we had the um obviously patrick stewart uh professor Charles Xavier and the yellow chair uh, and, and even got the X-Men 97 fanfare there. So in the space of three months, that's happened twice. So very clear signals here into, you know, what they're paying homage to. And I think the things we'll see moving forward. With the knowledge that just because we saw that in, was it Earth 838 yes. in Doctor Strange? Like, it could be a case of you've had your cake, now you don't get to eat it too, which is to say that's, you know, that's not a guarantee that it's going to be um, uh, Secret Wars and, was it Secret Wars? Whatever the, whatever the comics thing was that brought together the multiverse into a single point. Like, there is no guarantee, particularly given age and busy with other projects there's no guarantee that patrick stewart returns there's no guarantee that that um john krasinski is the reed richards uh again it could be hey you got what you were looking for now we're going to give you what you don't know you want um we're going to give you that that reimagining um and i really I'll, i'll just repeat myself i really really sense that there's not an accelerated timeline for like surprise in September comes the secretly shot Xavier's Academy series or something like that. I think this is going to, I think X-Men is the crown jewel that's at the end of the yellow brick road. If I may do a mixed metaphor. Well, the statue of Liberty, Matt, back to it's more recognizable appearance here. Uh, the, the time frame after uh, Spider-Man no way home and uh, we know from the sanitation uh, grade inside the uh, Najaf, the uh, hero guy, uh, it's March of 2025 that it was issued. 
And now, Pete, refresh my memory. When did Spider-Man No Way Home take place? I believe 2024. So Christmas 2024. Yeah, and remember, we have um, Yelena Belova in New York to see the new and improved Statue of Liberty. Uh, There it is. So I guess it's all it's all lining up. There, there there was a lot of there were multiple things I read in the last week that's like, hey, Marvel always has a plan. And it's like it's true that Marvel always has a plan, and sometimes those plans include spaces to put answers for later on, like the cat in Endgame that somebody in Hank Pym's world needed to own, and then they said, Hey, we don't need a cat anymore. And then the cat became a rat. So, like, I'm not saying that I don't have confidence that all of this can be tied together. Uh, in fact, if anything, I'm okay with, as I said before, I feel like the theme of Phase 4 is kind of all new, all different. And and the theme is there's not a theme. There's not we're all getting together the one stone, then the second, then the third, all the way up to six. Um and I'm okay with that. I do think at a certain point they're going to tighten everything and you're going to go, whoa, now I see how things are more connected. Um, and if there's little areas where they don't, well, that's your classic Spider-Man eight years later or ten years later or whatever it is that sometimes they're just they're, they're just wrong about. That uh, Muniba has made the first full-on suit that Kamala has is interesting. It's going to be uh, something to watch. Will it become enhanced? Is this why Bruno gets sent off to Caltech so that he can give her some further protection down the road? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Ms. Marvel as a show. And, you know, I feel kind of torn between. Like, hey, good news, when Loki season one ended, they said Loki will, will return in season two. Here we are a year later, and they're just, they've been filming for a month. So, like, I was glad I got the news, but I guess part of me kind of expected a year later it would be like, we get more Loki season two. Similarly, fine, you don't want us thinking about Ms. Marvel season two. You want us thinking about the Marvels, which is still over a year away. It's a year and 12 days away. Um, that's fine. It'll you know do, does Bruno return the way Ned did the way MJ did in some of the Avengers movies? If so, uh, great. Um, if not, then I guess he got conveniently written out because he's off to Caltech. I I don't know, but I do know that there are great characters here, and I hope they do more with them. At one point, when Comron uh, has a burst of power, there we hear his mother Najma call out. Is she still alive? I'm going to think that that was more kind of a, um, a a metaphorical, psychic echo, an emotional echo. Um, I, <laughs> Pete, I know just last or earlier this week we talked about how um, uh, Jane Foster is completely dead unless they need to take her and Heimdall out of the the great beyond of heaven and so forth. I still think Najma and uh, other other baddie who got crystallized and we saw their skull fall to the ground. I think that's about as dead as you get in TV and film uh, comic book adaptations. Pretty interesting that the Department of Damage Control has suffered this very public failure. It is. And I think it's also, I mean, I know I was being a little cheeky um, by pointing out how the show goes to lengths, maybe not great lengths, but how the show definitely makes an effort to say that average cop on the street, he's got a mustache and a smile and he fights for your local population as beautiful and diverse as they may be. He's there with you. DODC, the fictional bad government. They're the ones that are really bad. Um, so I guess, look, Disney has learned in the last year what happens when you tangle down the wrong uh, alley of politics. So if nothing else, it's convenient having a fake fictional federal agency be the baddies for this story and presumably in future stories if you need, you know, the man, the government being, being, uh, being a negative force. Kamala's father, uh, her family is obviously concerned about her safety 
as a superhero doing these things, be careful volunteering yourself. She obviously feels the call as a hero, but I mean, where I'm concerned, I'm flipping that around. I'm concerned for the con family's safety. Could the story go that route? Sure. Absolutely. I do think maybe as a starting point baked in to the genre is Pete, she wears a mask. I don't know who she could possibly be. Like if that's the farthest they want to take that, so be it. I mean, again, I think we would all, we would all very easily turn to turn a blind eye to like nobody ever kept track of social media pictures and came up with a heat map and said, Hey, it's this one street by the con house where Ms. Marvel seems to always appear a going and a coming. Um, again, could you do that story? Yes. Could you never pursue it and just say, Hey, like every other comic story, nobody ever figures it out. That's a possibility too. And then this mid credit scene that tells us some things about the Marvels. Number one, that Kamala's room is a set. Um, and showing us what they did Two, that uh, Zenobia Shroff is in the cast makes sense. Uh, getting the at least voiceover uh, in there off screen uh, three, the bangle and with what happens here and Kamala sent into the closet, there, emerging either as Carol Danvers something she's able to do in the comics. She can shape shift or since there's no bangle visible on Carol that they've swapped places. Uh, I know there, there has been some, some thoughtful discussion online. Was it a shape shift like in the comics or not? I, I would argue that it is heavily implied in the visual language of that scene that they had that it's not a, a shapeshift that that it's a um you know Carol Danvers does not know where she is a swap yeah it's a swap um I think too it's a I mean we'll see how the Marvels picks up on this thread a common theme for both uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and Thor: Love and Thunder in my mind as a viewer a common theme has been how you deal with a movie story in the age of watching Marvel uh, Marvel seasons on, on TV where they're able to go a little bit slower, dig a little bit deeper with character stuff and so forth. I know with Thor, I had kind of complained a little bit like there's stuff happening via montage or there's stuff happening off screen uh, to, to, to do what that story needs to do. I then contrast that with Dr. Strange where we jump right in, in the beginning with uh, America Chavez and one of the alternate Doctor Stranges and immediately were dropped into the story. Um, I wonder if to see Kamala transported like this, if that's a way to, to, to kick things, to kick off her portion, portion of the story in the Marvels where all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden she's transported there. And, you know, for all we know, Pete, it's going to be two scenes for Carol Danvers to say, wait, where am I? Jersey City. Sorry, Mrs. Khan. Beep, boop, boop. Open up dimensional transporter thing. Boom, she's now back in space and Ms. Marvel is there and that, that sort of thing. So it could be a very easy way to inject uh, Kamala into a far-flung story. Let's scroll down and check the comment section. Pete, we start, as always, with our Twitter poll. Uh, Pete, I didn't want to be spoilery, but here were the choices. The bottom wrong one, exasperating one DNA strands. That got 3.2%. Uh, next up, exuberant two DNA strands, 4.8%. Exhilarating, which was three DNA strands, 19%. And exceptional, four DNA strands, 73%. JT Adkins, JTA is me, chimes in and says, great fun wrap up. Marvel keeps experimenting and mixing it up, and I declare this experiment a rousing success. This show is great even without the Marvel's connection, but the extra scene was a fun hint at the future. The show was so well done on so many levels. 
James is sagacious. Big Kiln on Twitter says a perfect finale. Loving the comments and observations from the fans as much as the show. I love that they didn't rely on a cameo to bring it home. Keeping uh, to the credits was perfect. I wanted her to jump across the Hudson so bad. Why do <laughs> villains even try in Metro New York? Uh, next, Pete, David Siller. That's at Siller, David Poet. So much to say, but I'll try to avoid what everyone else has said. This show, from opening animation to end credit scene, has been about finding joy and family and striving to do good and do better. The Home Alone final battle. Oh, that's a good way to put it. The Home Alone final battle was the antidote to every complaint about Marvel always having big CGI fights in the climax of shows. Ms. Marvel mixed its themes of heart and family and faith flawlessly and never wavered from how immigrant stories still affect the following generations. Uh, it never swerved from showing Islam as a religion of peace and community. The build her costume motif was a glorious feint that still gave us a single moment final costume reveal. The conversation with Yusef about her name didn't leave any dry eyes in the audience. Her friends and family know the truth. A nice shift from the usual, keep it all secret, fake drama. Coming to, uh, the coming together of community and support had me shouting from the couch. I don't care that her power origins are changed from the comics. I don't care that this is the reveal for those kinds of powers with that music. I care that Marvel has given us a show and character like no other who will be back before we know it. This finale was the icing on the cake. Carol popping in raised my Marvel's excitement from 11 to 15. It could be the best Disney Plus show, uh, but without a doubt, my favorite uh, in all its fantasticness. So definitely Pete's enthusiasm there. Absolutely. I, I know a lot of people are having this conversation now, and I think that's something to be said. We hear from Darren Bell at Darth Rasslin 79. Great finale. Enjoyed every minute. Quite a bit to unpack. So is it confirmed that Kamala is a mutant? Although I guess the post credit scene uh, could hint at a scroll with shape-shifting. Either way, it's going to be a long wait till the Marvels. Just finished a rewatch and totally missed the X-Men music cue. Face palm emoji. Guess that confirms Kamala is a mutant. Great to see mutants finally being introduced into the MCU. And Pete, I know Amon Vellani uh, on the social medias uh, has since said that she is indeed the first mutant in the MCU. Yeah. I will again throw the asterisk there. Could they go back and secretly reveal somebody's been hiding their powers for a whole bunch of time? Yes, but in terms of our viewership, the first. And I think thereby iconic. AMC, that's at Ann Coltonum, uh, chimes on in. Ms. Marvel was, uh, Ms. Marvel the final was full of action, laughs, and touching talks between Kamala and both her parents. Love seeing the community coming together to protect their hero. Needed 10 more minutes. Loved the surprise at the end. Looking forward to listening to the podcast. Uh, we hear from Ben Larson, not Brie Larson, uh, Ben Larson, that's at Larson Ben. Uh, I, I don't know if he has a secret family Sister. member. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've decided that if you didn't enjoy this show, you just don't love joy and happy things. I spent so much time watching the show with a huge grin on my face. Uh, Pete, that's face with a PH? I, I must admit. <laughs> Never seen that one. <laughs> yes. Some of the previous tweets here have done the PH for F thing, and, and we appreciate it every time. Face, that's a new one. The only bad thing is that now I have to wait a year for the Marvels to come out. Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo 1983 says, talk about sticking the landing. Man, this episode really did everything right. Mom giving Kamala her costume. Perfect. Dad explaining the real meaning of her name. Perfect. Bruno telling Kamala she had the mutant gene. Perfect. The 97 theme, X-Men 97 theme playing when he says mutation. Perfect. Even the fight and resolution at the end with the crowd protecting her was perfect. Finally, Carol popping in to close it out. Perfect. I can't wait to see her in the Marvels. Next, we hear from Jay Philly B for Fandom on Twitter. And Jay Philly B says, loved it. Absolutely loved this series and the entire Khan family. And the way the show built and developed a community around Kamala that all came together to protect her. Ugh, all three of my emotions were affected. Cannot wait for the Marvels and Return of the Cons. Next, Pete, we hear from our captain, Noel Gardner, at Noel Camille. Uh, it's not often that we get a hero's journey story that doesn't start with trauma, particularly dead parents, and it's so refreshing. Kamala's family is a true delight. I loved how she received pieces of her costume all through the series, then finally getting the final suit from her mother and her name from her father. Bruno should absolutely keep the car. They said the word and played the music. 
I can't wait to see what happens next. I hope to see more of Agent Cleary. post credit scene, where did Kamala go? We'll see in the Marvels. Uh, next, we hear from Fael at Waiting for Weeb Time. That's at Fael. F-A-Y-E-E-L-L-E. God, I love this episode. Ms. Marvel has been a show that's taught me a ton and entertained me loads. Iman portrayed a wonderful young character, and I loved the loving family and friends. Uh, next, we hear from Strange New Tweets, K-C-L-Y-L-E-1 on Twitter. What a great finale. The, there was sort of a world-changing event, but that was diverted by someone else. And in the end, it was much more down-to-earth battle between semi-crooked cops and the kids, as well as Kamala and Kamran. Uh, and that after credit scene, not unexpected, but I like the way they went as opposed to a little, you, uh, you go, kid, pop in. Wish we were going to see more Kamala before the Marvels, but what are you going to do? Very enjoyable show, and as usual, a fantastic accompanying podcast. Keep up the great work. And Pete, that uh, that comment there, certainly appreciated. And I want to highlight one thing that uh, Strange New Tweets said. Yes, it was the most obvious cameo, um, but I didn't. F- I, I felt good that for once, the most obvious thing is the thing that happened. And that they didn't do the expected type of cameo, like knock, knock, knock. Hey, it is I, the Captain Marvel. Way to go. You know, that either she's doing this well-established ability and, and shapeshifted, or they've swapped somehow and is going to set up, you know, the beginning of the Marvels or some point early in the Marvels as you know, a, a freaky Friday situation. Next up, Pete, Spider-Ham Lincoln. That's at TessLC139. Keeping it short, so much great stuff in the finale. It makes me look forward to the Marvels even more. They did right by this character, and Iman Vellani has become an instant treasure. Ms. Marvel is an excellent addition to the Marvel Studios library. Now, bring on Shulky. That's your She-Hulk portmanteau, I'm assuming. Next, Pete, we hear from LMD Mary at Geek Kirk. Uh, who says, uh, Pete, starts out in caps. I won't quite yell, but okay, the scene with her dad about her name. I'm not crying. Wait, yes, I am. I'm totally crying. This show has been a heartwarming delight the whole run. I'm charmed beyond words. I like the update to her origin as I got into Marvel via mutants in the first place. Uh, and the music stinger they used made me cackle with glee. Also, Agent Cleary, Agent Cleary is 100% Skrull, as Noelle Camille called. Uh, and finally, my girl Carol E. Can't wait for the Marvels. Hoping we see them on stage at SDCC this year. Pete, your thoughts there that Evil Cleary is actually a scroll. I like it. I like uh, that, you know, he could pop up in uh, Secret Invasion, that that could be something that crosses over there. Next, we hear from BikeBRH. It's at BikeBRH on Twitter. They saved the best for last. I love the unconditional support for family and community and that Zoe was an ally all along. The Home Alone antics are pretty fun. I also have to give Alyssa Reiner big respect for a mid-career peak, playing truly unpleasant characters and seemingly perfectly happy to absorb everyone's hate in parts that I think a lot of actors would not touch because of their irredeemableness and fear of being typecast as unlikable. Uh, a reminder there, Pete, if you got something going, if you got acting jobs, go for it. There's there's somebody who didn't get the part of Deaver who now, uh, <laughs> you know, who, who wishes they had Deaver screen time and so forth. The, um, the power of the, the faux mullet there as an antagonist. <laughs> we are from Bob Keeley. That's at R. Keeley. I loved all of it. There was need for a cameo, even though we got two seconds of one. But the finale had everything else. Action, surprises, and even Zoe. Turned out she was Chekhov Zoe. Well done. Well observed. Uh, next, Drive-By Wrestling Pod. That's at Drive-By Pod. Started watching the show simply because it was Marvel. By the end, I loved the character and her whole support system. Job well done. Oh, and they said the thing we wanted them to say. And guitar riff and goosebumps and stuff. Hashtag Ms. Marvel. Uh, home stretch here, Pete. Brian Spann. That's at Brian uh, Ono. O-E-N-O. Fabulous finale as an Atlantan. I got to play Spot the Landmark more of the show than any others because it's set in Jersey City, not Manhattan. So they didn't even try to hide where it's filmed, i.e. the mosque is the legendary Fox Theater. Nowadays, it's a pretty common game with uh, to play with so many shows slash movies. Like my wife lost it when there was a scene in Anchorman 2 filmed in her high school gym. Mm-hmm. There you go. 
Uh, penultimately, Pete, we hear from Ms. Myra. That's that Myra Carmel, who says, great feel-good show. Love that her friends and family are aware and supportive. Kamala's mother is going to be very upset to find that stranger in her room. How long do we have to wait until the Marvels? Uh, and there's a reply here from Mario Pacheco. That's at Marius I-O-N-N-E-S-P, who says, well, she's just learning to drive. Pete, what comments do you have over there on Facebook? Steve Adams writes into the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. This was a mostly satisfying finale for Ms. Marvel. The show continued to lean into its female Peter Parker vibe as we saw Kamala begin to really grow into her powers. I was happy to see Kamran and Kareem meet, leaving room for both to return. I'm a little puzzled and intrigued by Bruno's comment about mutation. Surely they mean something having to do with Cree genetic material in her DNA and not the sort of mutation that would make her one of the X-Men. I'm really hoping Kamala ends up as one of the young Avengers, not the X-Men. This show, more than the others, really begs for a second season. There are so many potential story ideas out there that this almost has to happen. The only real disappointment in this episode was the fact that Kamala and Carol Danvers didn't actually meet. Oh, well, I guess we have to wait till next year for that. Until then, stay fantastic. And he spelled it with the P and the H. A common theme is I can't wait to see the Marvels in a year's time. So, you know, that has worked. Uh, and I would politely disagree with uh, the interpretation there. I think 100% she's a mutant in the X-Men mutant kind of context. Now, that does not mean that she's headed to the X-Men team versus... I mean, quite frankly, Pete, I could see I could see a scenario where 10 years from now, Amon Vellani is still playing Ms. Marvel and she's one of the people on the posters for, you know, Avengers Ocho or something like that. Like, clearly there's a super Please long-term make plan. It called Avengers Ocho now. I need that. Absolutely. Uh, Pete, to the email inbox we go. Uh, we hear from Stacy, who says, uh, I said it last week regarding the Strange New Worlds finale and I'm saying it again for Ms. Marvel. That is how you do a finale. Kamala and Muniba are home from Karachi. And what's the first thing they do? They tell the rest of the family that Kamala is Nightlight, which they already knew because Muniba told Yusef and Amir overheard the conversation because Yusef always has his phone on speaker. More Yusef reminding me of my dad who always had his phone on speaker because he refused to get hearing aids. That whole scene was just delightful. Amir and Taisha teasing Kamala, Abu worried, Ami uh, flipping the we trust her, right? Then Muniba gave Kamala her super suit, packed in a toffee box, and I had to get tissues. Loved her matching sneakers and nail polish, and when she stopped at the red light, uh, even though she was above traffic. Of course, Bruno takes Kamran to the mosque, and of course, it's the first place damage control would look. A great attempt at stalling the damage control agents by everyone having their IDs out and being ready to fully cooperate. Nakia sending them to the high school was great, followed by Zoe showing up because she films her TikToks in the theater. And Amir, too because mom sent him to watch out for her. Superheroes don't need chaperones. And the plan drawn out on the chalkboard, all the little details. It's, uh, it's a very Home Alone-style plan, super fun and effective. I thought something more was going to come from Kamala and Kamran combining their powers when they held hands. Maybe a Wonder Twin powers activate moment. But no, she has to stop him from killing everyone in his anger and grief. And then the community comes together to protect Kamala. Oh, and that ending... We got the story of Kamala's name and Yusef reminding me uh, so much of my dad again in this scene unintentionally gives her a superhero name. I'm not even going to nitpick that the idea of Bruno looking at Kamala's DNA is ridiculous. I'm just going to say, get in losers. We're getting shawarma. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. That from Stacy, a.k.a. Stingray, a.k.a. TrekGirl88 on Twitter. And I know that she wasn't calling us losers there. So it was just the, the meme. And the, the uh, cliche work. And uh, no, thank you, Stacy. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, for a show that people have tried to dog that, oh, you know, it didn't do this and it didn't do that. It, it wound up giving us so much. And, you know, the heartfelt moments in this episode really threw it over the top. 
Pete, the winners are those who help support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. And our thanks to them for helping out, particularly with all the storage and bandwidth costs and behind the scenes things that uh, are the secret weird underpinning of how this all works. So uh, thanks to those who go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. And even more thanks as this is the last episode of a massive mammoth run that we've had here that would not be possible. Simply could not do it without those people uh, going to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Uh, takes just a dollar a month to get you behind that door. All sorts of levels to choose from. Can't contribute right now. Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts when you can Always help us by leaving a rating or review to any of our right now 30 podcast feeds, soon to be 31 and 32 with She-Hulk and Andor very shortly. Yes, Marvel returns in a month and a day. Uh, Yeah, uh, with uh, She-Hulk starting her run in a month. Uh, so, Pete, let's keep that Marvel conversation going. How can people be in touch with you on Twitter? Find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,633 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do me in touch with the podcast comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word. Like it today. Tomorrow we will wrap Star Trek Stranger World Season 1. Looking forward to that discussion. Uh, and as I said at the top of the podcast, in the next week or so, we start to preview She-Hulk. Uh, got Ms. Marvel wrap happening next weekend and so forth. We'll be talking uh, Andor, the Star Wars show, before this month is over. For now, though, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. What are you wearing?